0: Ladies and gentlemen... start Welcome, one and all, to the latest, the greatest edition of Nick's Nonfiction. You're here with your host, Nick Muniz. Today on the program, we have got Albert Camus' The Rebel. What English word has no equivalent in the French language? Gratitude. Holy crap! We're visiting the darker side of philosophy today. Albert was the absurdist. He was a big old smoker... What's the easiest way to get lung cancer? You breathe the air in Paris. Hey, you wanna see something cool? Guys, I smoke through my neck. <laughs> the existentialism book we had a couple weeks ago, pretty badass. Albert doesn't fit in with the other high society academics. What's green, cold, slimy, and croaks? A Frenchman. <laughs> Beauvoir, Sarté. They threatened to write bad reviews about Camus books if he didn't succumb to existentialism. They controlled the movement at the time, so he came up with his own brand, voila, Absurdism, and then he banged Sarté's girlfriend. He's kind of dope. <laughs> they call Camus a Frenchman, but he was born in Algeria, and he acts like a rebel from the hood. You know, a black guy? It's more than some like French author, he's from Africa. How come the French are born through C-section? You can't fit a square head through a round hole. <laughs> This guy spent World War II with the French. He knows about weakness, he knows about surrender. Why did the Statue of Liberty take karate? She wanted to be the first French person to defend herself. What does Magnoline mean in French? Speed bumps ahead. (laughs) We know by now, Nick's nonfiction nihilism, it's a dead end. Camus is putting a twist on all of the philosophies that came before him. This guy was ahead of his time. I haven't even mentioned the myth of Sisyphus, it's a holy grail of philosophy. Should we kill ourselves or not? Camus is here completing the 4P, one of the first authors ever. And I'm just saying the French know how to riot. If this is a book about rebellion, what's the difference between a Frenchman and a trampoline? You take off your shoes before you jump on the trampoline. (laughs) Why did the post office have to recall its series of stamps depicting famous Frenchmen? People were confused about which side to spit on. (laughs) What do you call a Frenchman defending his country? I don't know. It's never happened. (laughs) We'll be right back. About the author, Albert Camus. We've done it thrice before. I'm not doing it again. Something cool we learned in the Existentialist Cafe. Camus worked for the French Resistance during World War II. It's basically when this entire book takes place. Um, Yeah, and I'm not going to... Lay it on too thick because it'd be too easy. Rebellion? (laughs) I could get so angry at this. (laughs) How do you say pacifist in French? Oui. Why don't MasterCard and Visa work in France? They don't know how to charge. What do women snipers in the French military use as camouflage? Their armpits. (laughs) Alrighty, y'all be right back with the book. The Rebel by Albert Camus, Chapter 1. What's a rebel? (laughs) He begins by reflecting on how the moral code of modern Europe appears to have been turned upside down. While once judges sat in judgment of criminals and murder was thought a crime, now criminals are in control and believe they can justify their own crimes. (laughs) Basic philosophy, he's get you in the groove. What's up is down. How astute. (laughs) Camus on some like... Al Roker-level comedy to start it out. Is it just me or are politicians criminals? We've heard it. Here's a hotter take. The judicial system, it's amoral. Judge lest not ye be judged. Molest? I probably could've fit that in there. Damn it. Where credit is due, he said in the forward. I'm writing this as a thought experiment. He's not taking himself too seriously with it all. The first part of it, how the fuck? Did a few dudes on meth, Mussolini and Hitler, convince millions of people to die for them? This is one of the dopest social experiments ever. I can't convince people to support me for one dollar on maybe I need to try (laughs) meth. Part two of the experiment. Can this be prevented again with a rebellious counterculture? Yes, Camus. No, nah, but in your head, you might be picturing, like, Antifa or anarchy today. I'm talking, like, there are millions of dudes in the hills of Colorado with AR-15s. There's a county named Rifle, Colorado. <laughs> Bro, they're ready. My entire take today is going to be Gandhi. It's lame, non-violent, non-compliance. You know that whole 60s bullshit? It could work. People need to wake up. Four play over. We're getting into this. Camus begins attempting to define what a rebel is and what rebellion means. A rebel is a man who refuses to accept things as they currently are. The rebel acts on the basis of his sense of moral justice and his desire to establish his rights and dignity in the face of arbitrary violations. Arbitrary viol- I'm in a feud with the Boulder police. I'm going to have to weave this in somehow. Stay tuned. He says, while rebellion seems divisive, it's motivated by common human dignity. So that's what I'm saying. Like, anarchy isn't this scary thing where you do the purge. It's dude's gardening. <laughs> Quote, because of this, the true rebel is inherently selfless. He would risk death to uphold his moral principles for the sake of the common good. A little too, uh, selfful there. It's true. Keeping it light. <laughs> He has a pretty god-tier argument up here, the first of many. He goes, how come there aren't any rebels in the East? Quote, Western societies both promote liberty and individualism while retaining systems of inequality. So again, don't try to put communism capitalism today. (laughs) Like, for the individual taxpayers, we have crabs in a bucket capitalism and then the rich have fucking socialist bailouts for their banks it's totally upside down go look at the patreon you are being lied to <laughs> meanwhile billionaires are fucking figuring out how to dodge taxes you and me are given 30 percent i have like a fucking ammunition box full of these books written by founding fathers all about liberty <laughs> this is the first of many The frenchman beat him to it Rebellion is always rooted in a kind of moral outrage, the sense that a limit has been violated. (sighs) You get pulled over, and it's not even like you're sad or anything after a certain point. You just feel violated. I feel like I was spiritually raped. Okay, so my uh, license plates tags, they're out of date. Not playing this game anymore. (laughs) You see, I'm going to start to sound like one of these sovereign citizens motherfuckers. It's because I'm turning my car in, In a couple months, and they tried to charge me $300 at the DMV to renew the tags. It's $50 per ticket. So I just need to not get pulled over five more times by August. You know what I'm saying? I'm just doing the economic (laughs) option. And now the cops know my face. Wonderful. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just telling you, if you sense the game isn't fair, you're right. You might be being extorted. either go to the DMV or try to risk your luck on the streets. (laughs) And that's why you can't be riding dirty unless you steal someone else's temp tag. So, this is all building on his chapter one point. To him, rebellion isn't about unchecked freedom. That's no bueno. He's going, this distinction will be important later when we discuss the differences between rebellion and revolution. Setting up his arguments here. So, should I go to court? You know, you could, like, not pay the $50 fine if you just go to court. (laughs) I left the cop last time with a, see you next time. Like, the rules don't make sense is what I'm saying. (laughs) Whatever. Thank you for protecting the community, I guess. Quote, if our age admits with equanimity that murder has its justifications, it is because of his indifferences to life, which is a mark of nihilism. So he's kind of saying you cannot do anything in the name of rebelling. You can't kill people. You know, if you're being a dick, you're letting the bad vibes win. Even though you're an anarchist, you're not some angry motherfucker. Maybe that's why I instinctually knew to be calm today. Whatever. See you next time, officer. Chapter 2. Ordinary versus Metaphysical. Sounds pretty hippie. I'll start this one on the battlefield of business. All these new money millionaires that come up in my motivational algorithm, they all say one thing in common Building wealth is a revolutionary act. I don't know. It sounds pretty badass. But on a personal level, you got to want financial security more than you want a stunt. And then on an entrepreneurial level, whatever, you got to be a fucking crusader, bro. Business isn't fun. (laughs) You got to renounce your desires and then fight the good fight. Some Christ shite. And he's saying, like, this rebellious attitude, it's being so over paycheck-to-paycheck life (laughs) that you're willing to do anything. Anything. Just kidding. We're not starting a cult. Maybe. (laughs) You even hear Mr. Wonderful say it. He talks about money like it's his god. These people who, it's another level. So here comes some philosophy. Ordinary rebellion is rooted in the immediate material circumstances and injustices of one's condition. Metaphysical rebellion is more abstract and involves one's rebellion against the state of the universe at large. So he's about to go on his atheist bullshit for a little while. (laughs) The universe stranded us here, man. It's the same thing as the chicken or the egg. That's a deep point, but... Go smoke another cigarette, Albert, okay? Who got you hooked on those? Was it the universe? (laughs) Like these people with their atheism, it's so supernatural that they start to believe. He's got some misplaced anger here. He's still like in angry teenager mode. It's not the universe keeping you down, Albert. (laughs) Maybe it is if you want to go into fucking Mandela effects and bullshit. Talk about rebellion today. So he starts going into the Bible. Albert was a shepherd. Cain was a farmer. Both were sons of Eve. God wanted a gift, so Abel bought his best sheep, slaughtered it, and Cain bought some fruit. God was like, yo, I'll eat those lamb chops, but get your fruit out of here. So Cain goes back, gets a pineapple. He, God tells him, shove it up your ass. But for real, Cain was butthurt about the whole thing. His brother is besting him in God's eyes. So God sent him another message. I'm sorry for rejecting your rotten-ass fruit but watch out because it looks like there's some sin in your future a couple nights later Cain beats Abel's head in with a stone not a good guy and God's like uh, where's your brother Cain it's been a couple of days I haven't seen Abel out and about those lambs are getting restless Cain's like yo I haven't seen him either <laughs> and he says his famous line to God what am I supposed to be my brother's teacher yes Yes, you are. And then, to spite him, God makes the land harder to till for the rest of our life. (laughs) So we can't live in the Garden of Eden because of Eve. And then Cain fucked up the land. This Eve stock is a bunch of winners. You could guess fucking Albert's edgelord take on the whole story. Cain was right to kill his brother. (laughs) Kind of funny. (laughs) I think he's like pulling a Nietzsche here. Hey, yo, God is dead. I don't know, man. This chapter two, rebel against God. Great advice. (laughs) You ever try tempting the universe, Albert? Someone mind-fucked my dude here, bro. Before I got in my motorcycle accident, I was begging to die. Like, I hated my job, I hated my life. Like, you know, one accident would be quick. And, bro, if you don't change your attitude, the world will change it for you. Go ahead and tempt God, Albert. Fuck around and find out. I don't agree. (laughs) Moves on to an older French philosopher, Marquis de Sade. Camus blames as the fountainhead of nihilism. It's like people think Nietzsche is the father of nihilism. Of course the French were on this first. I'm telling you, God is dead is a meme. Like, he also said, if at first you don't succeed, give up. (laughs) He was a fucking shit poster. (laughs) memeing from the mountains. He said his goal wasn't philosophy. He said he was single-handedly trying to decentralize the church. Like, uh, this doesn't have to do with nihilism. That's the slander campaign they have him on because he doesn't like organized religion. But whatever. Let's get back to Marquise de Sade. She had an idea of freedom. Cynical and destructive. Completely selfish and rooted in desire. Only for violent license and unchecked impulses. I did five accents there, but she's just talking total anarchy. Marquis de Sade? This is where we get the word sadism. I swear to God, I only learned how to fucking belay a rope so I could tie bitches up in Boulder. They love sadism. We are living in Sodom. I'm not really this religious. Like, I'm saying I'm studying Mandelas and shit, but this is the world that we're in today. Camus was telling her that even the Roman love poets had some class. (laughs) It's a funny line. So even Camus is kind of throwing her under the bus. (laughs) He's surrounded by a bunch of these sad jack doomers. And he was just writing about going to the beach and banging chicks. Sage's success in our day is explained by the dream she had in common with contemporary thought. The dreamer for the total freedom responded to the dehumanization coldly planned by the intelligence. So, let's get metaphysical. Fuck it. It's there to deter people like you and me. And, like, I know there are truthers out there who are on their fifth channel. If you're a weirdo rebel, there's nothing that's ever going to stop these people. It's fighting the good fight. Again, you'll find the information. It's like this subconscious he's talking about. She responded to the cold dehumanization planned by the intelligence. Okay, where is it? (laughs) I know, I'm saying, like, I could prove it to you by Orson Welles, the power elite, but motherfuckers just can't see shit. So maybe it is in this collective subconscious. And in the chapter, it's going to get ugly. We got a true atheist Camus trying to interpret Friedrich. Nietzsche's rejection of traditional morality and enthusiastic embrace of a Superman who can dominate the world through his strength and intelligence represent the essence of nihilism. He's using some, like, communal left logic here. Well, if one person can better themselves, everyone else is going to feel bad. Hey, Frenchie, leave the willpower to the Germans. Chapter 3, Rebellion versus Revolution. He's building back on that point from Chapter 1 here. All revolutionaries are rebels, but not all rebels are revolutionaries. He says it better here. While rebellion is more spontaneous and disorganized and is born as a reaction against lived realities, the more abstract nature of revolution is problematic, as a revolution is an attempt to fit the world into a theoretic frame. Wow. So like I'm saying, I'm this peaceful rebel, but a revolution is people collectively going, we have an idea, a theoretical frame for the world that's perfect. So you see how revolutionaries start to sound like Karl Marx? Rebellion is just holding the line. I'm never letting a motherfucker inject me with shit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Revolution is world building now. It's pretending that you know the answer. Like, Patreon knows this from the Fourth Industrial Revolution. They have declared war. They are rearranging frameworks of the world. (laughs) It's straight up a timeless battle. Semantics are going to save us, bro. Once you learn the trickery, like he's calling it the fourth industrial revolution, the World Economic Forum. It's just a new factory bell. When I hear revolution, I think 1776. And so it's some of this word trickery. The word revolution is going to be a total recalled from our society. Quote. In many revolutionary ideologies, there's a fixation on the idea of the end of history, in which if the revolution achieves its aims, an ideal world will be achieved. (laughs) Guys, we'll never have to go to work. We just have to spend 12 hours a day in our coom pods eating crickets. The end of history. You see how, like, liberals are obsessed with that? The Green New Deal, and we never burned coal again. There's no end of history, okay? <laughs> I don't think it works this way. If we're stuck in a reincarnatory loop, I'm just going to rebel harder next time. <laughs> no, man, you're supposed to find Zen. It's Buddhism. Reincarnation. How about you do your yoga after we fix the insolent tyranny? <laughs> like, It's an issue, bro. You can't just meditate that shit away. You want your kids to live in it? Like, let's go to Philosophy 101, the trolley track. Should we wait for a utopia or should we try to seize it? And you think I'm becoming. Call- I'm in the middle, bro. I'm just saying, hold the line. We have it pretty good. You could push back after a while, but. We know waiting does nothing. So if you try to set up a perfect world, you might commit a couple mass tragedies along the way. Yeah, we all have iPhones. Children make them. Nobody cares. (laughs) Like, I'm saying, seriously, for someone to live in this amazing America, we gotta fucking pimp out the third world. Quote, Camus argues that this utopian thinking is a very dangerous tendency, as it can lead revolutionaries to justify all kinds of crimes committed in the name of a perfect future they think they can achieve. So it's good to know that Camus isn't full utilitarian. That's some good Phil 101 there, bro. Utilitarians think, like, I'll kill any amount of people just to switch the trolley tracks. And then there's the other side, deontological. The morality of an action depends on the nature, so it changes. And I'm saying again, false dichotomy. I'm walking away. Maybe I fucking eat a sandwich and then piss on the people tied down to the trolley tracks. I don't give a fuck. I wasn't involved in this before. (laughs) Like it's just a philosophy 101 question to re- weed out the idiots. Who's gonna use the talking stick to beat each other? That's a utilitarian. And then a deontological is like, okay, I'll take it, pick case by case. I don't know, man. You gotta pick a side at some point, or you really don't. <laughs> Seriously, look for outside options. Camus here is talking the French Revolution. He says it's the start of modern revolutions. <laughs> Even though it happened 10 years after the American Revolution? Fuck this asshat. <laughs> I don't know if he's trolling still. Like it took France. Think about this. It took France 16 King Louis to finally revolt. <laughs> you guys didn't figure it out. <laughs> Goddamn, and he's trying to say, the modern revolution started with the French. <laughs> Bro, Americans came here to fucking tame the wilderness, and then some government tried to tame them. Piss off. Yo, we come from some dope stock in this country. Fuck the French. He says the revolution was both a philosophical event, the overthrow of an absolute monarchy, and a metaphysical event. The rejection of the idea of the divine to rule as an idea of God having a representative on earth in the form of a king. That's fucking heat. That's an atomic argument, bro. Like the Roman Catholic Church, they started the Pope. It's spiritual subversion. They put someone in between you and God. All you got to do is pick up the phone. Start meditating. You can talk to that bitch. It's any time you want. Ask Cain he was fucking beaming messages into Cain's head. <laughs> I don't know, man. Camus is kind of agreeing with Nietzsche here. God is dead because the king is what represents God now. And we're so beyond this shit where, you know my theory, monarchs are just governments now. People don't even worship the king anymore. They worship the throne. We're retarded. Pop stars, politicians, not even the king. He has a good one-liner here. The secret of Europe is that it no longer loves life. Oof. Another one. In the 20th century, the vacuum left by traditional authority was filled by nihilism and other ideologies such as Marxist communism. It basically describes Europe. Nihilistic communists. (laughs) I tell you about the fucking bumper stickers I see around town. Fuck capitalism right in the face. Boulder is mini-Europe. I don't know. I can't pick a side. Like I said, I'm not a capitalist who will use the iPhone knowing a child finger put it together. And then, uh... Communists? Fucking school was pretty socialist. You eat cheese sticks and then they try to make you stay awake in health class. (laughs) You fucking eat refined sugar tomato paste and then go run a timed mile. What am I talking about here? Capitalism, communism. kind of gets good again. Camus is discussing Marx's thoughts. This was Marx's promise for a heaven on earth. <laughs> Fear not. I guarantee an ideal society. One that can end all injustice and create a perfect world for all of us. Carl, you're acting sus. Carl! (laughs) I'm just trying to point out people that act like they already have the utopia. Liars. This is a home run in my book. He's writing about the whole 20th century as a tragic experiment in totalitarianism. He goes both Nazi and Soviet. Like, it's just totalitarianism, people. They fooled you with this LR comms, socials. Totalitarianism. And think about the billions of facial recognition cameras in China. (laughs) If the 19th century was an experiment in totalitarianism, this shit is about to be an experiment in genocide. Not trying to be alarmist. Carl, you're acting Sus. Yeah, he's taking shots at left and right. It's good stuff here. When revolution is the sole value, there are, in an act, no more rights. There are only duties. While true rebellion upholds the dignity of all, revolution descends into a versus-them violence. Fuck! So I'm saying, rebellion is just about having your morals. And then revolution is, you're the bad guys and we know the answer. What the fuck? Like I'll tell you guys, I started doing qigong. I'm becoming Chinese. Hold up, hold up! Hold up! Seriously, try it, qigong. <laughs> I don't know. Like if I have something that I think will help, I just tell you, and maybe it resonates with you. I don't know all the answers, Mr. Marx. Quote: There comes a time when justice demands the suspension of freedom. Then terror on a grand or small scale, makes its appearance to consume the revolution. He knows, the French revolutionaries? <laughs> Bro, I'm pretty sure there was a King Louis the Seventeenth too, so those motherfuckers just fell for it again. Let's end the chapter. It is better to reject ideals of a perfect future society in favor of embracing who men really are and what they need right here in the present. Furthermore, true rebellion is not the result of history's inevitable stages, but an act in defiance of history. True rebellion is born when a man embraces his free will and recognizes that he has some control over his destiny. Embrace your free will. Chapter 4, Fart. Shortest one. According to Camus, all art is a form of rebellion in the sense that the artist cannot really accept reality as it is. He instead attempts to recreate reality or reshape it within his works of art. It's what academics do, too. They try to reshape the world into a lens. Like, I'm just calling foul play here. I'm not an artist or an academia. Camus is the academic philosopher, and this whole chapter, he's trying to call himself an artist. Pissed me off. But because the artist is constantly engaged in a dynamic questioning, relationships with reality instead of rejection of reality, and because the artist creates in a questioned spirit instead of a rigid, top-down, ideological one— The true artist is often a target of totalitarian revolutionaries. This is because all totalitarian revolutionaries are mistrustful of artists' freedom and wish to have them serve the revolution. Fuck! So, like, first part of that quote? (laughs) Art is one degree away from insanity. You gotta get to the line where you're questioning reality. That's where the good stuff comes. Why so serious, (laughs) Turn it upside down. Think like a freak. Second part of that quote, that was a banger, a topic. He's going fucking, the government just wants artists there if they're going to talk about the revolution. And if not, you're gone. Uh, Beware of Joe Rogan, who said that. But like, artists' freedom is expendable, is what I'm saying. You don't get a $300 million deal unless you stop talking about the moon landing, Joe. Industrial society and its future. We're going fucking the rebel today. <sighs> I could do some fucking censorship rant here. It, that's all it is. It's they're cutting out the artist's tongue if you will say what the crown wants you to. Quote, art is the closest mankind could get to experiencing the elusive unity that it craves. It gets more hippy dippy. Might be right though. While revolutionary thinkers try to force unity upon society from the top down in a way that can never work. In which only results in oppression and terror art celebrates the spirit of man and provides a momentary unity through artistic creation as wholly positive and constructive in its effects it's kind of gay people unite when they're like creating man i like it you? <laughs> can you use your fingernail to unclog my bong gandhi had it right they got like 100 million Indians to ride the trans-Indian train. That's all you need. I'm saying you're going to get hit with microwave technology. Voice to skull tech. Bro, you can't fight it. You just have to draw your line. This is bigger than governments, if you think that's all I'm talking about. And, like, the 60s, they were the closest, bro. After Woodstock... What else are you going to do? It doesn't get better than boning a naked hippie while Jimi Hendrix is ripping with a headband full of acid. (laughs) That's the type of rebellion. I'm saying this like uh, alt-right, this libertarian pipeline. They're starting to know how to pimp these kids out. We got a decent point to end it. Societies that are dominated by revolutionary tendencies struggle to produce good art as art itself can become propagandistic and dogmatic under a revolutionary regime. However, this only makes true art all the more valuable, as true art reminds the observer that man is not a slave to history. He is also a part of nature, and there is something about this nature that is timeless and transcendent, and therefore permanently beyond the reach of all utopian ideologies. baby! We in the hills, come get us. Chapter 5, Conclusion. He's reiterating points. True rebellion is not about demanding absolute freedom. By its very nature, rebellion is a force for moderation. The rebel wishes to assert the necessary of limits, the worth of moral values. He said the magic word, bro. Moderation. Simpleness. Those old Chinese people, (laughs) they might live like rats in a maze stuck in Shanghai but the Qigong reconnecting with her nature. My comedy routine was making fun of Chinese people. Did you hear about the lookalike competition in China? Everybody won. <laughs> I'm becoming Chinese as a karmic loop. My character development. Qigong. Quote, moderation is not the opposite of rebellion. Rebellion in itself is moderation, and it demands, defends, and recreates it throughout history and eternal disturbances. See, this guy is tapped in. He knows. He's talking about rebellions throughout time and how the revolutions are used to just set up a new government. King Louis 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. It should be a joke. Like, how is this just one test? Let's go fully off the rails with it. There's too many things to realize that we can't just keep doing the same thing. I'm trying to graduate this place. Rebellion is sometimes difficult to cope with due to its often messy and ambiguous nature, since it lacks the fervor of revolutionary thought. It nevertheless helps to sustain a sense of common purpose and dignity to which everyone can commit themselves and uphold. It's beautiful when they riot in France, they go to the cafes and put all the wooden uh, things in the street. They know how to do it. While historical contexts do play a role in shaping mankind, mankind is not bound by entirely such contexts. Rebellion is about disrupting the usual course of history by reacting against one's circumstances, usually in the name of moral values or somewhere in the nature that is worth protecting. So I'm saying it's the script of history, rulers and peasants. It's a river, bro. You're not going to reverse the flow of the river. Just become a bigger boulder, and then the water will go around you. Seriously, we're going eastern. (laughs) Both art and rebellion are intrinsic parts of the human experience. Art and rebellion will die only with the last man. Oh, baby! Counterculture, it's here to stay. The way to create a better future lies not in abstract utopian thinking, but in doing one's best to make the present the best that it possibly can be. Stop theorizing and go homestead. Me too. I'm talking to the university heads. Karl Marx. Instead of killing and dying in order to produce a being that we are not, bureaucracy, we have to live and let live in order to create what we are. I don't know. How many times can I say it, people? Put your foot down now. Y'all don't want the bloodshed. (laughs) Like he said, Europe was dead earlier. There might be a cure for that. Rebellion could one day rescue Europe from its moral and cultural malaise. Just what the doctor ordered. A supersized side of freedom fries. (laughs) We gotta spark the fire again. America, let's... (sighs) I'm saying we're not going socialist robot after. True rebellion is a reminder that man has free will and can try to shape his own destiny accordingly. There it is. Albert Camus, the Rebel. Banger! Good book alert. wanna thank you the Knickers for being here. The Four Pete from Albert Camus. It's not his name, Algert. <laughs> Pretty patriotic episode, just how I like it. Fucking 1776 Dukes of Hazard, cheeseburgers, shotguns, sovereignty. Let's go. Patreon.com slash the niche. Go get some bonus content over there. Harry shit on Instagram. Free memes. Let's get a random soundboard effect to end it. (laughs) Perfect. It was perfect, wasn't it? Mistakes and all. Thank you guys. Seriously, the Knickers, the core audience. I do it for you. Seven short days. I'll be right back. See you then. Perfect.